The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me. All summer long we sang a song and then we strolled that golden sand. Two sweethearts and the summer wind. I didn't give you a game one recap. I really don't want to give you a game two recap. But salutations, Mets fans. Welcome to episode 153 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. It is, in fact, our World Series games one and two recap. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. And with me, uh, in... Not the best of circumstances making his podcast debut is Chris Schubert. Chris, how you doing? I'm I'm okay. I this is not how I expected the day to go. And being on the show is not how I expected the day to go either. So this is interesting. We'll see where it takes us. Best laid plans. Yeah. <laughs> so normally I would have gutted it out and done a short podcast last night, but it was two AM. I thought about just recording one by myself, which is going to be me screaming into my cell phone. I didn't have any mics with me. I was down in the city. Uh, Just screaming into my cell phone over and over again. No one gets out of the series alive. And then just playing the outro music, which is the (laughs) same as the intro music that I would have played before that. But I said, all right, you know, that's all I had then. I think we'll give it a day. Maybe be able to come back to game one, have some distance after a game two Mets win. Game two went somehow worse. At least it was quick. Uh, Chris, the thing that struck uh, stuck out to me is because of just the weirdness of the game and how long it is. Um, and that was you know the Mets' first World Series game in fifteen years. It was kind of bizarre. Like if you're in in a vacuum, if you're a neutral, if you're just watching it as an outside baseball fan. Yeah, a lot of things were just weird. I mean, that's the only way you can put it. Like, Hosmer, with the play that gave the Mets the lead, he makes that play 99 out of 100 times. Mustakas had an error that he probably has 99 out of 100 times. Familia blew a save, which we haven't seen in what feels like forever. You know, you had Matt Harvey pitch well. You had offense, and you still didn't win. And then it went into extras, and you just were just... It Bartolo Colon pitching against Chris Young, and it was just it was bizarro world. And at, at at some point, I just wanted the game to end, just because I was like, I can't take any more of this. And then it ended the way it did, and 
you're just like, all right, back at it tomorrow, I guess. You know, that was the only thing to say, really, at 2 a.m. in the morning. I think the best way I can describe it is, like, the first eight and a third innings was, like, every Mets playoff game, more or less. You know, close, tightly contested, kind of terrifying, but Familia was in. He had kind of some confidence. They'd, they'd, They'd steal one in Kansas City right away. And then... Since then, it's been 14 and two-thirds innings of, like, a 2013 Mets-Marlins game. It, it feels like the Mets that we watched in, like, May and June when they couldn't hit the ball. They couldn't do anything, and they would pitch, and they could pitch, but they couldn't score enough runs. That's what it felt like. I mean, I don't know if anyone else felt that way, but to me, it felt like I was watching the first half Mets play, and they are in the World Series. It just feels weird. Just to cover some of the other crazy things that happened in Game 1, um... There's this moment for me when I got to the bar. I watched it at uh, at the Blarney Rock with Greg Carroll and Chris McShane and various commenters. Um, I was all hyped up. I was just starting to come down off the high of watching Wednesday trounce Arsenal out of the League Cup like two hours ago. I walked around Midtown a little bit, got some Asia dogs, just kind of decompressed, went over to the bar, started to get a little hyped up. And then the series opens with what is like it's the classic like hashtag LOL Mets thing. And inside the park home run that should have been a four base error with Suspedis overrunning a ball in center. And just kinda like what was that? What what, what what was that? It was one of those oh here we go again moments. And you, you know weird- what I did I didn't even think about that until now. The Escobar home run, I've completely blocked yeah, out of it. because it happened like... Yeah, so long ago. At the beginning of the game, it didn't really end up factoring into anything past that. And you had the weirdness with, you know, Volquez's uh, father passing away and it being unclear if he knew when he was pitching. That was sort of playing out on Twitter more than on the broadcast since they chose not to uh, talk about it until... He was out of the game, it was told, and then there was a whole thing on Twitter about them justifying not talking about it, and stuff sort of happening, uh, sort of the meta text of all that. And, uh, you know, the feed cut out briefly in the yeah. middle of the World Series, which was not, as far as I can tell, sort of the worst production thing to happen to Fox in the last two games. <laughs> it It's just, all of those things have happened in, like, a 24-hour, 28-hour span, and you just can't comprehend them all in one moment. Like the Escobar home run has left my memory. I totally forgot the feed cut out until just now. Like I, I've tried so hard to block out certain parts of this because like I've tried to be optimistic. I was so hyped for tonight's game. Even walking around my college campus today, I was like, all right, they're going to get this. They're going to get back tonight. It's going to be 1-1 going back to City Field. And who could blame me? You know, Jacob DeGrom on the mound. You, you feel like you have a good shot. You get an early lead. They go up one nothing against a guy who looked unhittable, and you know it just from there it just kind of collapsed. And you and me are left here just like with whatever's left, and we have to try to figure out how to get out of this hole. Yeah, I, I, the game one like viewing experience was so brutal that I made an allusion on Twitter this morning, sort of you know the Royals Giants series last year. Like I can't. Like, I enjoyed that as a neutral, but I can't deal with it as, like, a person with a rooting interest at all. Like, it's just, they're just brutal games to watch. I mean, tonight was brutal in a different way, granted, but just, it's, 
every single pain point. Like if you diagrammed how the Royals would beat the Mets, there's like this is they've done exactly what you would expect. Yeah, I for me, now I was born in '94 because since, since people don't know who I am, I was born in '94. 2000, I was six. So 2000, I don't remember. 2006, I remember very vividly. And then you know everything that's happened in the last five or six years. So for me, watching the Mets get beat down the way they did tonight, every time the Royals scored a run, it was just like another replay of 2006 and the years after that. Like that's what it's been like for me. And I know for for lifelong fans, it's worse. But it's just it's like on repeat watching the Adam Wainwright curveball. That's what just replays in my mind every time. And I think. If they lose this series, like it's just going to be another moment in the timeline of you know Mets history that people go, you know they had a chance and they blew it. Here comes six more years of losing, you know. See, for me, it definitely I'm getting vague 2000 World Series vibes, maybe because of the game one extra inning game specifically. Um, and a blown save. And the blown save, yeah. And that was just, I mean, you could kind of see. I was a little nervous at the bar with Harvey going back out for the six. I mean, they were never not going to give that to him, but going third time through the order with the stuff he was showing, you know, something similar happened to DeGrom tonight in the same spot in the fifth inning. But, you know, ultimately they got the ball to Jair Smilia with the lead. And it's just, you know, it was a quick pitch to Gordon that wasn't very good after Gordon got to see it from the on-deck circle against uh salvi perez it's like you just can't have gordon beat you there with paulo orlando and alcides escobar behind him and the, the the mood in the bar just completely it was it was amazing like this one dude who had obviously had a few just like walked right in front of me just like slammed his hat on the ground repeatedly i'm like come down take some perspective but now you know it's another day and they're down to nothing and they had their shots you know they had chris young went through the entire lineup in relief you know david wright swung through Ryan Matson fastball and that ended up committing the uh, the error that led to the end of the game. But you came back out today. It's like, okay. DeGrom against Cueto. Cueto was bad in his last start. I mean, you know, when I projected, predicted, not really a projection, predicted a, a Mets win in this series at Baseball Prospectus, it was based on the idea that the starting pitching would break enough in their favor to at least you know have a, more of a game one situation where they're getting the ball to Familia with a lead, but it's it's one start for each of them, but mm-hmm. they look gassed. And if you know if the Mets are to get back into this series, they need big performance. I mean, they, first of all, they need to get a couple wins at City, but they they would need big performances from. Harvey and DeGrom in five and six if it gets there. They just, I don't know if they can give it at this point. My biggest concern, and that may be the opposite of many Mets fans, is I'm not as concerned with the starters as I am the offense. They let Chris Young absolutely dominate them in a part of the game where one swing would have won them the game. I mean, they hit a home run with the way Cologne and Nice pitched last, or now, is it last night? I can't, I don't even remember. Yeah, I think at that point it was this morning. This mor- yeah, so this morning, uh, it w- they win the game. I mean, so just to see them pretty much be flat, and, you know, you, we can make whatever we want about TC's decision to play Kadire and have him strike out three times and three at-bats and the decision to have Kelly Johnson be the DH. At this point, it doesn't matter. They These guys are professional hitters. They're, they just needed to hit, and they didn't. 
And we saw it again tonight. The two hits for this team comes from a guy who couldn't hit the first two rounds of the playoffs, barring one game, game four. And they weren't I mean, exactly line drives. Right. They were uh, a, a ball that got eaten by the shift. Moustakis, if he fields it cleanly, probably throws dude out. The only reason why he didn't get him out is because he didn't field it right. And a, a ball in on his hands that he sought off the other way against the shift, and it just blooped into left field. I mean, that's how the Mets scored their run tonight. Lucas Duda had a jam shot to left field. I mean, they're not going to win anything. I mean, if this is the way they played against the Dodgers, they would have been swept. I mean, so... It's there. There are so many things you can take from these two games and say, you know what, they still have a chance. They're going home. They still have Cindergaard. Harvey looms in Game 5 if they can get it there. But I very understandable if Mets fans just feel defeated at this point. And I don't want to... I want to separate this from the idea that this detracts from the season because I do not think it does in any way, yeah. shape, or form. I will remember, as I said before, I will always remember this season fondly for a variety of reasons. And I'd said, even coming to the playoffs, the same thing. If you know, if they get go out and get trounced by Kershaw and Greinke, you can't, you can't go with that. That's a thing that could happen. You know, the Cubs series could have gone differently as well. But it just feels different now because they're so goddamn close. Mm-hmm. I think for me, this season will always be a success because while I thought they would make the playoffs, I didn't think they would do it in the way that they did and get to the World Series. I didn't even when they made the playoffs. I had them losing. To the Pirates in the NLCS was my prediction. So this season is a success for me, but I just feel like with the, you you take a step back down 0-2 and you look and you're like, if they don't win this year, it's going to be tough to get back next year. Because you think about the Cubs team that you just played. You think about the Dodgers. You think about the Pirates. think about the Nationals. You say what you want about them. They're going to be in, in the mix. You know, it, it's not easy, you know, and when you get these opportunities to play for a championship, you have to cash them in. You're seeing the Royals. They've made it two straight years. That's not the rule. That's the exception. And, you know, for them, they're lucky to get a second chance. They're good, but it takes some luck to go their way to get there. So and six when, run inning in Houston away from uh, going out in the divisional series. Right. I mean, they had they were on the ropes in, in that series and they had a big inning and they got it back, you know, home. Uh, so when you get these chances, you have to cash in on them, and I think that's where the separation is for me. Like it's a, it's a it's a success in the season, but just to be this close is just another heartbreak, and you just hate it. The other thing we'll switch over to uh, to game two now. I think the moment for me, and I I don't know that I would have done it, but if John Neese was available, maybe he has to face Eric Hosmer in the fifth. I know Terry's not going to do that. He's he's walked the tightrope with Degrom and gotten rewarded for it, and he tends to leave his guys in a little bit too long, as a general rule, anyway. But you know, it's tough to, given how little the offense has been done and the strength of the Royals' pen. I guess it's tough to let Degrom again, given what he'd shown you so far in the game, face a tough lefty there. Through, his fir- through the first three starts, we've seen two different versions of Jacob DeGrom. The game one against the Dodgers when he was looked like the best pitcher on the planet. And then you had the other two games that he pitched where he labored. He didn't have his best stuff, and he got the outs that the Mets needed him to get. And tonight, the game started similar to how the game one against the Dodgers started. He had a quick inning. He looked like his fastball was, was 
where he wanted it to be. The secondary pitches were where he wanted them to be. And you felt like, okay, he's going to hit some bumps around the, along the road here because they are the Royals, but he's in control of all four pitches and he's going to get you six innings and you're going to be in this game. And we saw something from Jake that we don't normally see. He hit a roadblock late in the game. Normally his roadblock is in the first inning, sometimes the second or third, but he hit his roadblock late. And once he lost control of the fastball, that was it for him. You know, he his fastball is so dependent on being able to put it where he wants it. You know, being able to throw 96-97 doesn't matter. He has to be able to throw it where he wants it. And because he wasn't able to do that, he walked Alex Gordon, and that started it. And from there, he couldn't rebound. And, you know, he pitched well. I, the stat line's going to say he didn't, but he pitched well. He got out of a big spot, um, I think, in the fourth yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was the fourth. He got out of a big jam, and you thought, okay, maybe that's the one punch that the Royals have. And even though it's the Royals, you thought, okay, he could get through this. And they just came right back at him, and they pestered him. I, I'm the first person to yell at Collins for managerial decisions. It's the World Series. I'm not going to question the man. Yeah, whatever. If if he makes a bad call, it is what it is. Yeah, and I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that Everything that went wrong defensively in this game could have, for the Mets, that could have went wrong, like badly. I mean, a lot of it was when it was out of, out of reach. But you know, the fourth inning especially, I know, I know Degrom got out of that, but it stretched him further out. And it just, it's, it is. It's like watching an early season Mets. It's like, did you ever wonder how the two thousand thirteen Mets would do if they had to play a really good team in the playoffs? This is it. This is what it looks like. Yep. Um, and the the Fox broadcast was like giving credit to the Royals about handling you know velocity and not swinging and missing and not striking out before I finally just gave up and muted it somewhere around the seventh inning. Um, but oh, that means you missed the uh, Cespedes Willie Mays comparison then. Or oh, did I you saw. Catch I, that? I did see it on Twitter. Oh, I didn't. I okay. Did not well, listen. <laughs> I listened to it. It was ugly. Uh, but. You know, it's yeah, and they don't they strike out less than anybody else. I mean, this was ridiculous. I think Degrom had three swings and misses all night. That's not normal. He just, I mean, it, it was batting practice. If he had pitched like that against the Dodgers in Game Five, he wouldn't have made it out of the second. I wonder how much scouting has gone into this series. The because there are a couple decisions that are questionable. The decision to throw Escobar a fastball in the first pitch of the game, in game one. You know, did, did Travis and, and Matt and Terry not sit down and be like, hey, he's going to swing if it's a fastball? That I, boggled my mind. By the same token, it's, it's Alcides Escobar. You shouldn't challenge him. I, and I understand that, but he swung at the first pitch Any, every time. I know, and the first, it should have been a routine fly ball to center field right. in, in game one. Yeah. It's not like he's... And then tonight... You know that they're a good hitting team and they're going to put the ball in play. You know, I know Jake's game is swing and miss, but he's a guy that can get ground balls. He's a guy that can work out of jams. I just don't. I don't know if the game plan has has changed and he's not adjusting well. I don't know what it is. It it, it should be easy to make this adjustment, and I and I know they just continue to hit, but it should be easy to make an just a little adjustment to keep them off balance and you can get the ground balls that you need even if you can't generate the swings and misses 
and it did not happen. And in fact, you know, they're both well over 200 innings this year. They've never gone that deep in the season before. That could uh, have something to do with it. I was hoping that the extra, you know, basically the extra skip turn going into the series would mitigate that to a certain extent, but it could be that. It could be they just didn't have it for a start. Everything sort of gets magnified because of playoff leverage. Yeah, I don't want to read too much into it. Yeah, and I don't think they pitched that badly, you know? Like 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 you said earlier, like the Mets were two outs away from winning game one. Like Matt Harvey pitched well, the bullpen pitched well. And I don't think I don't think Jake pitched terrible tonight. Like and I said it earlier, like the box score is gonna show he didn't pitch well, but like he he kept them in it. Like it was one nothing in the in, going into the fifth, and it was one one and he got the out that he needed and he was so close to getting out of it and it just kind of spiraled. He was close to getting out of that jam in the fifth. Yeah, um, and if you want to draw the parallels to the Dodgers game five, especially, I mean, you can, the Cubs game as well, I suppose. Um, you know, it's at various times he was one pitch away from not getting out of those games or having a very similar performance to what he gave you tonight. And you you just hope that if he gets another chance, which will probably be in Game Six, that he's they've made the adjustment and he's back on. And that's all you can hope for now, because you're not going to get Jake again until that game. I do just keep coming back to the idea that they were basically one pitch away from it being a one-one split in the tenor of this podcast uh, being very different, and it only being a Game Two podcast because the Game One would have been over at eleven thirty, <laughs> which would yeah, have we... been nice. I, well, I wouldn't have made my debut under these circumstances. So what now? Obviously, they go back to City Field for Game 3. Noah Syndergaard against Jordano Ventura. How are we feeling about that? I really like this matchup for the Mets. I liked it when they laid out the plans for the rotation. Um, I thought that you know if they could steal one on the road, they'd be setting themselves up back home to take a 2-1 lead with Syndergaard being the way he is and being able to pitch at home. Um, well, now he's going to have to be a stopgap. He's going to have to get them a victory. Um, and he's more than up, up to it. Uh, he's His stuff has looked electric so far in the postseason, a little bit more so than we saw from him in the regular season. Uh, he's been really good. The offense just has to get going. And if they can, if, if Noah can get out of the first inning and they could get a run or two in the bottom half, that will make City Field a little energetic and you may start to feel the team get some momentum back. Yeah, I'm going to be there for Game 3, and I'm just kind of wondering what the atmosphere is going to be like. It's going to feel like a Game 7, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's, the fan base is so neurotic, I never know exactly what to expect. Like, just I know look if, up Mets Twitter, <laughs> you'll, you'll know how they're feeling. I knew if they came back up to a, or even a split, it was going to be like a party, and it was going to be loud and crazy. I don't know, and if they get, I do think if they jump out to an early lead, that place will get going and sort of drive momentum forward. But if it's a little dicey or it's close or they go like down to nothing and gives up a bomb to Hosmer in the first inning or something, I can see it just getting a little, I've seen the crowd like turn pretty fast like most recently when i was there for one of the uh subway series games and i hope that doesn't happen but 
I do wonder. I do agree with you. I think it's a better matchup on paper than you'd think. Uh, Ventura can be a little wild. He's not the most efficient pitcher in the world if they execute uh, their approach a little better than they have in the last couple games. I think they can they can get to him, maybe get a big inning. And Syndergaard, you think, would be more vulnerable to sort of the Royals' magic or what have I been calling it, off-brand Missouri devil magic because he doesn't have the secondaries that Harvey and DeGrom has. But A, I think he's looked fresher in his two playoff starts overall. Um, and that's still, you know, a lot. there's a lot of fastball there. Yeah, it's 99-100 is going to be tough to hit, no matter who this team is. It's going to be tough to hit. And I don't want to look too far ahead, but... And you can stop me if you would disagree at all here. But if they get a win on Friday against Ventura, who has to bat, and I think that's an underrated thing that no one's going to talk about. And they, they don't, don't have they a, don't have Morales. Yeah, they don't have Kenji Morales. They don't have a DH. So I think that's going to play to the Mets' favor. If they can get out of Game Three with a victory, they're going to have a fresh Steven Matz against a recently worked Chris Young, and you just. That's just one of those things you look at on paper and you think, okay, you know, there's a good chance we can even this thing up with Harvey around the corner. You know, there's optimism here. I mean, there's you, you look at it and there's a chance. I mean, it's not over. No, it's not. I just, I just like them to not get like embarrassed and like swept off the face of the earth. Face of the earth, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if I asked you, independent of what has occurred, if you had confidence in Noah Syndergaard against Giordano Ventura and Steven Matz against Chris Young, what would you say? I'd say yeah. So, you know, Chris Young threw 50, 60 pitches last night. And he's going to be, what would it be, tomorrow? It'd be a short rest. It'd be three, it'd be two days after throwing 60 pitches. You know, that's not easy for a guy that's his age. You know, if they can get to him early. It's it's not all it's not all doom and gloom. At least for me. I'm trying to be optimistic. It's not all doom and gloom. No, but as Steve Stipper would say if he were here and not unavailable to host this week, uh it is gut check time. Yeah, they're gonna have to figure things out. I think it will do them all good to be home and in, in their ballpark where they know how to hit. And the Royals haven't played a lot there, if at all. Um, you know, Cespedes has to find himself. He has looked very bad at the plate. Uh, Travis needs to find himself at the plate. David needs to find himself out of the plate. And I mean, you really could, the only people that have been having good at bats so far. I mean, it's again, it's a two-game sample size are uh, Granderson, Flores, and Ligaris. Yeah, I mean, those three have looked good. I think Ligaris will probably squeak into the lineup. I don't think you can... You think Terry would go back to Conforto Cespedes, with Cespedes' shoulder being not 100%, as we know? I mean, the the throw looked pretty good from the left field running track. (laughs) No, I know, but, I mean, he said himself that he's not 100%. Yeah, I just... I'm not. Conforto hasn't looked good at the plate, no, and I'm he all for giving him a I chance. Think, I think he can grind out at bats against Jordano Ventura better than 
Ligaris can. That's a that's, that's a tough ask for Ligaris. That kind of you know plus plus fastball breaking ball guy from the that's right fair. side. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't want Michael Kadir to see the field again. That's what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> I think that will probably not happen, but. I don't know. You don't want to overreact off to the offensive performance the last two games, but yeah, it does have to be better than it has been. And, and they looked good against Volquez. Like they got some good at bats. Yeah. Like and, like you said, it's it's two different games. The first eight and a third of game one, and then the fourteen innings since then. You know, if they can if they can be like more like that eight and a half inning team that we saw, I think they can probably turn this around. If they stay in the hole that they've dug themselves, they're going to be in trouble. Yep. This is an interesting spot, though, to be in as a Mets fan. I never thought at all during the year I would be debating if they had a chance down 0-2 in the World Series. I guess that's certainly one way to look at it. I'm just, I don't know, like I said a, a, a few episodes ago, the, the switch has flipped for me now, and I'm more... You know, I, I can't have the usual level of sort of ironic attachment I bring to talking about this team on this podcast over the last 150 plus episodes. Man, like I'm, I'm this... not, I'm not morose. I'm not. I mean, I'm annoyed. The Royals are fucking annoying. Like it's an annoying. Like I understand they're good, but it's just an annoying way to lose baseball games. It's just it, it, they get to two strikes and. As a as a Mets fan, I'm just like, no, don't get to two strikes because that's when they learn how to hit. They turn the switch on. You know, you'd rather them attack your first pitch and get a ground ball. I I think the the philosophy has to change for the Mets to not go for the strikeout. They need to attack. And I know that changing up your philosophy at this stage could cost you, but you're down 0-2 with the way you did things. So mixing it up ain't the worst thing in the world. Well, we'll see what happens, and we'll be back to talk about it Friday night. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that because I'm going to be at the game, but I'll figure something out for hopefully a slightly more positive episode. And I'll beat one, hopefully. Yeah. If you will, of Amazing Avenue Audio. <laughs> <laughs>